For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Hello, Zinger Nation. Welcome to Flight 46 on the Moon or Bust rocket ship, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. My name is Logan Ross, and I will be the pilot of today's mission. Uh, Co-piloting with me today is Ryan McNamara and Brian Moore. How's it going, Logan? I'm doing pretty well today. How are you? Doing all right. Seen better days, but I'm here. We're all rolling. Steaming ahead. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Before we are cleared for takeoff, I have to go through some required safety procedures. Uh, For all of those who are are willing and able, please turn your like button into the on position uh, and drop a comment. Say what's up. Let us know what projects you're looking at this week. Uh, And while you're down there, I want to point out a few links in the description below. So uh, up top, we have the Benzinga Crypto YouTube channel. If you're new to Benzinga, you're going to want to sub to the main channel here. Uh, and also the crypto channel top link. We also have, let's see, we have the uh, merch link listed down below. You can pick up a sweet Ethereum hat. You got Ryan's Moon or Bus shirt on. He's repping it today. And if you join the Telegram, we'll toss you a 25% off discount code. Uh, that's also linked in the description below. Um, today, we're going to be interviewing Brandon from the Phantom Wallet. His information is also down there, so make sure to go check him out. This is going to be a great interview. You guys don't want to miss it, so stick around, stay tuned. And if you're enjoying, please toss us a like. All right, Ryan, let's get into the news. You want to start us off? Yeah, sure thing. So Solana actually shut down yesterday. This was really big news. There's $12 billion locked on Solana's ecosystem. So all of this money, all of these digital assets were locked. No one had access to them while the network was down. You couldn't even send a transaction. So if you held Solana on exchange, then that's off the chain. You can, you can exchange your Solana. But otherwise, if it's locked in any smart contracts, if you use decentralized exchanges, NFTs, any of that, all of it was locked for about 12 hours. They fixed it, I think, about 8 to 10 hours ago now. Uh, But there was like 400,000 transactions per second going on on Solana's blockchain. It's only able to handle about 50,000. Now, this wasn't organic growth, though. This was 400,000 transactions per second coming from one what seems like a bot. Now, I don't know if this was malicious or if they were trying to do something else, but they essentially broke Solana's blockchain. So they couldn't handle all these transactions. They couldn't verify what was true, what wasn't. So the, the blockchain started forking. So essentially there were parallel blockchains on mm. Solana. You couldn't really figure out what was true, what wasn't. So they were able to essentially shut down the network, which is really mm. interesting. Logan, you want to go into that? Yeah, sure. So uh, this is just my surface level understanding of it. If you guys have a better understanding, please feel free to correct me if I say anything wrong. Um, But the way I understand it is that Solana achieves consensus on chain. So there's lots of packets being sent uh, across the network on chain. And due to the flooding of the network from these 400,000 transactions from a bot uh, making moves on Radium, uh, they were unable to prioritize the network critical messaging, the consensus messaging, uh, and therefore they were unable to achieve consensus. So each node kind of ended up with its own version of what was going on. Uh, it started forking uncontrollably. Uh, and you see that this forking led to excessive memory consumption, causing a lot of nodes to go on li- offline. Uh, engineers across the ecosystem attempted to stabilize the network, but were unsuccessful. So what they did is they ended up shutting it down for a short amount of time. I think it was about eight hours, seven or eight hours. 
uh, until they could figure out achieve consensus on their own and push an update to patch <clears> this. So um, I'm sure Brandon will have a more in-depth explanation for us on this a little bit later in the episode. Um, but it's interesting to to see, I mean, for example, like Ethereum in its six years has never stopped producing blocks. Um, it's never gone down like this. So it's kind of an, an unprecedented situation. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for Solana in the long term. Brian, one what thing, do you think? Yeah, what do you think of what happened here? One thing I think, well, what I, from what I can tell is there was an IDO on, from Radian, um, which is a decentralized exchange on the Solana network, and um, bots just kind of attacked it and just ate it up. And Binance Smart Chain and Ethereum. They both have are not necessarily used to it, but I think there was the same level of power put behind where you would go into like a pancake swap raid kind of thing where you're trying to like buy up all the IDO, ICO, the offering tokens and then sell them right automatically right when it's listed. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's something like that similar happening. And so there's a huge network of traffic, like you guys just both said, a lot mm -hmm. of transactions, a lot of stuff happening because of this IDO. And it just pretty much crashed. It overloaded it. Um, it wasn't ready for it, and which is almost understandable. But um, I think there's a, a little bit. I think it goes a little deeper than what we can see on the surface level, too. Yeah, and the key difference here is that uh, the Solana achieves consensus on chain, right? Whereas Ethereum, these other blockchains, uh, don't do that. They they figure it out like uh, independently, and then they produce the proof on chain. So um, they don't have the the requirement of these packets getting across um, during each block. So uh, yeah, it's interesting so to see what happens. If I wanted to try and send 400,000 transactions per second on Ethereum, I mean, it just wouldn't happen and, and you wouldn't right. be able to afford like it wouldn't affect the network like it does with Solana, which is interesting because even though Ethereum can produce about 15 to 30 transactions per second, something like this just wouldn't happen with Ethereum. Um, and it's also interesting to see that they were able to take the network down. Like Logan said, the Ethereum's been up for six years. It's never been down. It's had 100% runtime. So it's going to be interesting to see whether some of these networks go down in the future just temporarily to fix things when they come up like this. Uh, but it's definitely interesting to see. I guess it, it kind of shows that decentralization does matter to a degree. I mean, if Solana were more decentralized, then it would probably be harder to actually take the network down from my understanding. Would you say that that's accurate? Yeah. And one thing to add, it looks like the grape protocol was the one that kind of broke it, brought it down. Uh, okay. They were an IDO on radium, which is a, and is a, Great protocol. The Grape protocol is a toolkit for Solana DeFi. So it, it just kind of like, you know, can they scale to the point <clears throat> of Ethereum? I, I think this kind of shows that, you know, they're willing and ready to make it all happen. It's just everyone's learning right now. Well, do you guys think that this is going to stunt Solana's growth, especially in the ecosystem? Because if I were in the ecosystem, which I have a few tokens, but I don't use Solana's ecosystem. But if I did and then I saw my assets get locked up and the network go down where I couldn't do anything with my cryptocurrency on Solana. I mean, that would personally scare me a lot and it, I would deter me from using the network in the future. I don't think so. I, I mean, we, we've seen in crypto time and time again. No one gives a crap if things go down, if things do this or that. There, people will still be bullish. I mean, look at all these shit coins that have these huge backing, like Twitter following and everything, like everything else. And then you see, like, man, these, this token doesn't do anything, but people are diehard against it. I don't really think it's gonna really change anything. Hopefully, yeah. it just makes it better and stronger. Yeah, I think they'll learn a lot from this example. And we saw the price of Solana wasn't too uh, too much affected by this as much as uh, I might have expected going into this. Um, so it looks like the, the community uh, is, is still on board. They're hoping for the best. And, and hopefully this will end up being a good thing long term. Uh, let's talk about the OpenSea news. Um, okay, let me pull it up here. I have to, sh to share my screen one more time. My Chrome crashed. Uh, this is the controversy with uh, Nathan Head, right? Uh, something like is Nathan something? Nathan, Nathan C, something. I think. 
Product um, manager at OpenSea, though, front running the system, trying to make some quick yeah, NFT exactly. profits from what it looks like. Uh, so crypto Twitter user Zuwu uh, made a tweet last night saying, hey, OpenSea, why does it appear that, that Nate Chastain, who's the head of product at OpenSea, uh, has a few secret wallets that appears to front run uh, the front the front page NFT listings uh, before they go on sale for the public, and then he'll sell them for a profit and then tumble that that ETH back onto his main wallet. Uh, they provided lots of examples here uh, with transaction hashes. I mean, it's all public. It's all on chain. This guy wasn't even really trying to hide it. Uh, so OpenSea issued a response a couple hours ago uh, earlier this morning. They learned that their employees uh, were, were doing this, and they said it's disappointing. Uh, OpenSea members aren't allowed to do this. And uh, okay, thanks, bye. That's basically it. Um, so, so I don't know if people are going to be okay with how they handled this situation. Um, it's certainly an interesting one, though. Like, uh, it, it seems <clears throat> like he knew he was doing something wrong, though. He did try to mask it a little bit by using a different Ethereum wallet and then sending his profits to his actual Ethereum wallet that has his punk in it. So yeah. I think he well, knew he was doing something fishy. There's here. also the argument that would say we don't know the policy that the employees have we don't i mean there's no regulation in the nft crypto market there's a lot of things to say about this and it's like did he really do anything wrong or is he was he just you know not really thinking and thought it was you know he could just take advantage of a situation but it not being a a legal act or malicious act just you know optimizing on or you know, taking advantage of you know he has access to all these things. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I don't think weird. it's illegal it's... per se, but I think it's definitely immoral, especially for someone who has access yeah. to OpenSea to do something like this. So mm -hmm. I'm glad they at least put out a response. But OpenSea has been catching a lot of flack lately for a lot of different things. I mean, their servers haven't been working well. I mean, that's kind of a given with the growth they've had over the past few months. But it's, it's interesting to see. And I hope that we'll see more decentralized marketplaces pop up for NFTs in the near future that hopefully will compete with OpenSea and push them to provide a better service because right now they're really not providing the best service. Did you guys see how some NFTs are actually getting lost through transactions on OpenSea yeah. a couple of weeks ago? It's been Someone a, lost their FedExer with over $3 million. Yeah, mm -hmm. and also the first ever ENS domain that was created was burned uh, yep. by an OpenSea glitch as well, which is pretty sad. A little bit of history down the drain right there. Um, but yeah, I think some competition, like you said, Ryan, will be healthy for the market in the long term. Yeah, I know Sushi Swap's making, I think it's called Trident. That might be a different program they're pushing out. But I know they are making an NFT marketplace that might be able to compete with OpenSea. So I'll be watching for that. If that becomes successful and it can compete with OpenSea, I think that's going to be incredibly bullish for Sushi Swap as a company. They've been pushing out so many different products lately. And it's definitely an interesting project to keep your eye on. Mm hmm Okay, so in other news, this is one my dad showed me uh, earlier today. $50 billion of Bitcoin was transacted from what looks like a single person within a single Bitcoin block. Uh, they processed 25 transactions of $45,000, about $2 billion each. Ryan, this wasn't you, was it? Nope, this was not me. Not this time, unfortunately. I usually don't like paying all the fees, so I wouldn't do 25 transactions. I'd, just I'd just do it one lump sum. Yeah, it's not that big of a risk. You know, it would just be a small portion of my portfolio. So. You'd be all right. It's 50 billion. I wonder who this is. It's mostly coming from an FTX hot wallet. Paying out withdrawals. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So this is from FTX Exchange, then. I guess that would make sense if, if that's what that's saying. I mean, you look at a company like Tesla with so much money on their balance sheet and a pretty, pretty risk-tolerant company at that, and they're buying $1.5 billion of Bitcoin. So for any institution to be buying this amount of Bitcoin, I think it would have to be an exchange for it to make sense. Yeah, I'm, it, yeah I'd agree that with that. Satoshi. That was Satoshi. <laughs> Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, and then one last uh, news item that I thought was pretty cool. Ryan shared this with me this morning uh, iPhone prices in ETH at their launch. Okay, so the 6S cost 690 ETH, 7 was at 52, the 8 was at 2. 10 and 11 were around three. Uh, and now the most recent iPhone now costs 0.24 ETH. It's pretty How is Apple making their iPhone so cheap? How are they making a <laughs> profit? I don't get it. Well, Ryan, you see the price of ETH has gone up over the years. So don't buy iPhones, buy ETH instead is the moral of the story. That's what, that's, I'm, that's what I'm getting Yeah, that's here. what I'm hearing as well. It'll be interesting to see uh, this data continued out long term. I think the trend will, will probably continue. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing this one with us, Ryan. All right, that is it for the news. Now let's get into what you've all been waiting for. We have the CEO of Phantom Wallet, Brandon. Welcome to Moon or Bust. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Good. How are, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's our pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so... If anyone out there hasn't heard of you before, could you tell us a little about yourself, your background, and how you got into crypto? Yeah, sure. So, yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Brandon. I'm the CEO and co-founder of, of Phantom. Uh, Phantom is a new non-custodial wallet on, on the market. Um, you know, very similar to if you're used to using MetaMask. Um, similar to a product like that. Um, except we're sort of carved out this space for ourselves sort of as the, the MetaMask of, of Solana, so to speak, um, in its current iteration. Um, but I think a sort of medium to long-term goal is to uh, essentially become the, the sort of non-custodial wallet of choice for sort of multi-chain dApps. Um, so the goal is, you know, if you want to be using a uh, decentralized app or Web 3.0 app um, in the future, you know, uh, Phantom should be able to help you use it and access that no matter, you know, what what chain or, or ecosystem it, it lives on. Um, awesome. So, yeah, that's 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 Phantom in a nutshell. Awesome. And we'll dive into all of that and more later. Uh, but quick question for you. I know you worked at Zero X uh, before Phantom. Do you happen to know David's son by chance? Of course. Yeah. He was, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he, we worked really closely together. He's, uh, we were first worked together. Uh, uh, he, he was an intern in 2019, uh -huh. I believe, summer of 2019. Um, and then subsequently went on to become full time. And um, I guess, yeah, now, obviously now he works on a different project called Proof of mm -hmm. Beauty, which is, mm -hmm. which is awesome. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Love David. Yeah, that, that's sweet. So Ryan and I are students at the University of Michigan, uh, and we joined David's Wolverine Blockchain Club that he was running uh, for the past couple of years. We met him that way, uh, and we've become good friends with him. We've had him on Moon or Bus to talk about Proof of Beauty a couple of times. So cool to, to see the connection there. Um, and we'll have to tell him that you stop by next time he comes on. For sure. Yeah, David's awesome. Yeah. So Brandon, can you tell us a little bit about the, the Phantom Wallet, how it got started? Like what was the main idea or like the motivation to creating a new version of MetaMask? Uh, and then maybe what about it is like the, the main selling point? Sure. Um, yeah. So like you, like you mentioned, um, so my, you know, I got my start in crypto um, working at Zero X. Um, sort of joined the space back in, in 2017, sort of the last sort of big hype cycle. Um, and yeah, basically we were all, all so those three co-founders, all, all of us have been working at Zero X. Uh, and basically, you know, at that time, um, things were a lot different. So people are still trying to figure out what blockchains are good for. I think people are still trying to figure that out, but you know, their terminology like NFTs or DeFi like wasn't even like a thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were all kind of back then sort of like working on our slice of the sort of web 3.0 infrastructure and sort of building everything up together with sort of like as a, as a whole ecosystem. And so we did sort of this deep dive on, on decentralized exchange um, as part of that ecosystem. Um, you know, and then there's other players like MetaMask working on the, on the wallet side of things and, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we had a lot of experience building uh, pretty widely used dApps. Um, so uh, we had experience building uh, this product called Masha.xyz, which is like a DEX aggregator um, product on, on Ethereum, um, mm-hmm. as well as uh, personally, I was working. Uh, responsible for Xerox API, which is this, the, the back end for Matcha and also powers a lot of sort of swap products across DeFi. Um, and yeah, over time, I think we basically became power users of MetaMask, um, not only from the consumer side, but actually also from the d- developer side. Um, and we just sort of, um, sort of accumulated uh, sort of a wish list of items that we kind of wanted to see. Um, in, a, in a wallet and decided that, hey, we have a lot of experience with dApps and, and, and decentralized technology under our belt. Why don't we sort of uh, have our crack at it? Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's sort of one motivating factor. And the, the second motivating factor was that, um, you know, we, we, we saw that there was this sort of impending multi-chain world coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Um, yeah, no matter where you lie on the sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of crypto tribalism spectrum. So even if you are like total ETH maximalist, I think um, there, everyone can agree that the future is going to be some sort of multi-network world. Mm-hmm. So even if like you're going between Ethereum and Polygon or Ethereum and, and Optimism or, or Ethereum and Solana, uh, from a UX perspective and sort of ergonomics perspective, um, the experience is actually very similar for users. And basically there's, there's going to be this world where people are frequently crossing bridges and, and using different applications and they may or may not know how those applications are implemented underneath. Um, that's going to pose a lot of challenges for users uh, and user experience. And, and we thought a lot of those uh, problems are best suited to be solved uh, in the wallet specifically. And so sort of those two things combined um, gave us enough conviction to sort of take the project full time. That's awesome. So your Series A funding round was led by Andreessen Horowitz and A16Z. What do you think most interested them in your project and how has it been working with them? Yeah, no, A16Z has been awesome. Um, why did they take interest? So I, you know, I think they, they also realized that um, you know, the wallet is a very key part of the whole Web 3.0 stack. Um, it's basically the initial touch point for someone who, a new user who's coming on, who's using these things for the first time, um, sort of. And, you know, their their experience with Ethereum or Solana or what, what have you is essentially one and the same as their experience onboarding to this to this wallet and, and, and using it. And so... It actually doesn't really matter how fancy or awesome the technology is underneath. Um, If someone's first impression and touch point is poor, it really, really is a, is a really big detriment Mm -hmm. to their entire experience. And so I think A16Z also knew that, realized that and um, understood that um, investing and growing a, a a quality uh, wallet product would act as a sort of, force multiplier for the, the entire space. Hmm, fascinating. Are they pretty active in uh, developing Phantom Wallet with you guys? Or are they more passive investors? Um, yeah, well, I mean, in, in development specifically, that's totally that's totally on us. But um, business development as well. Yeah, well, yeah. So, um, so basically, I think, you know, their involvement in the company also kind of depends on what that company, where that company's what stage that company's in and, sure. and where, where, where it's at, you know, for us, we're, we're a lot earlier on in our journey. We're just sort of laying the foundation for what we, what we want to do in the future. Um, 
where they have been really helpful for us is a sort of, um, you know, as a, as a, as a company spins up, there's a lot of random stuff to do, um, especially like on the operational side of things. So a lot of stuff related to hiring. Um, and I think it's like, it's a, it's a huge rabbit hole that you just kind of uncover more and more uh, as you go along, especially in this remote environment, also with COVID and all of that. So uh, they've been really awesome in really helping on like sort of like the people operations side of things. So there's sort of like a operational team in a box, uh, so to speak. Okay. Um, so like, you know, helping with recruiting, helping with, um, you know, forming offers for candidates and stuff like that. Um, they've been really helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, in the future, I'm sure on the BD side and sort of when it's time to really put the fuel on the fire, uh, they're going to be really helpful as well. That's really cool. So I want to touch on a couple features of Phantom Wallet. So aside from sending and receiving cryptocurrency, you can also swap and state cryptocurrency directly from the Phantom Wallet. So how do these functions work? Do you have your own like automated market maker within the wallet or are you integrated with a, with a DEX on Solana? How does that work? Yeah, for the for the swapper specifically, uh, you know, in its current iteration, um, we are basically plugging into AMMs that that exists exist on on Solana already. So, um, you know, for example, Radium. Um, we are planning on sort of adding other other liquidity sources uh, as well, um, so that the swapper will sort of scan for the best price available and 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 deliver that to you. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't have our own hmm. proprietary AMM Matcha. or anything like so that. So it's kind that of like sense. matcha in that way, right? Yes, similar. It's, de it's definitely a bit more primitive um, at the moment. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's similar. Yeah. And, the, and you see the same thing with MetaMask. I think they aggregate through a few different DEXs now, but I, I'm pretty sure they started with just one. So uh, that, that seems pretty typical. So uh, my follow-up to that is how does Phantom Wallet actually make money? Are you guys making money right now? Or is that something you're going to think about after you get more users? Yeah, so we're not we're not making money at the moment. Um, we are planning on enabling fees for the swapper and perhaps other sort of verbs that you can perform in the wallet, like staking, etc. Um, so yeah, nothing you know, nothing super revolutionary at the moment. Um, okay. But yeah, that's sort of the plan. All right. And users can also store their NFTs on the Phantom Wallet directly. So I have a question more generally about NFTs between blockchain ecosystems. How do you see NFTs playing out in the long run between blockchains? Do you think each ecosystem will have its own NFT culture or do you think it will be assimilated through cross-chain bridges in the future, maybe like a year or two out or, or even farther out into the future? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think we're still all figuring out how that's going to yeah. play out. I think what one thing is for sure though, is that um, interacting with NFTs on Ethereum is extremely expensive um, and prices out the vast majority of people like on this earth, like let alone, like, you know, forget like other countries, like um, even within the U S um, you know, it could be like, interacting with OpenSea could be equivalent to like someone's take home for that day or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're, it's the current system is definitely going to evolve because there is um, sort of De DeFi um, and those types of products I think have been sort of limited in the number of sort of like their, their the addressable market that they can reach um, and has typically uh catered more towards um, pretty technical advanced users of Ethereum or sort of like prosumer type people. Um, and yeah, that the appeal of NFTs um, makes sense, I think, a lot to a lot broader audience um, that doesn't necessarily have the capital to to be making all these different types of transactions. Anyway, so all that, all that is to say that NFTs are definitely there's definitely more to be unlocked there with sort of like a faster and cheaper solution um how that's actually going to play out sort of in this multi-chain universe 
I think we'll we'll see. Um, you know, right now there there are sort of different camps or cultures on different chains, but I think you may see more of like, hey, the and, and, and this is not saying that this is just purely example, but you might see more of like saying like the the board ape guys may be like, oh, let's let's launch something like a different set on Solano or, or something like that and make it more of like the Solana flavor, so to speak, um, versus maybe like a bridging the existing collection. Um, could see that happening. Um, there's not that much bridging of NFTs going on really right now. Um, but I think, yeah, the, 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 from a technology standpoint, I think it's also just been pretty nascent, I guess. So yeah, there's a lot, well, there's to not much reason to really bridge an NFT at this point. It's not like you're really transacting the NFT much. People are buying them to collect, hold, and then sell for a profit usually. So, I mean, that makes sense. One, one thing I've said on the show before is, you know, I see Solana having flagship, maybe blockchain play to earn games on it because of its high throughput. So, like, for example, Star Atlas could do really well on Solana's blockchain. That's something that's not really possible at for the current state of Ethereum. So I could see maybe like different types of NFTs even becoming more popular, like the flagship gaming NFTs and the flagship games on, on blockchains could be on a higher throughput network like Solana. And then maybe these blue chip NFTs that we've seen come out like years ago, like, like CryptoPunks will probably be staying on Ethereum's network just because I think there is probably some inherent value of having the original token and not wrapping it or bridging it onto another chain. Totally. Yeah, we're still like in this pretty big experimentation phase. Totally. Um, a lot of shifting sands. So, yeah, yeah, excited to see how that all pans out. So, Brandon, my next question is actually about the Solano ecosystem as a whole. Do you have any projects you're specifically excited about right now within Solana that you've seen maybe gain traction over the past few weeks while Solana's been, you know, growing so much? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've actually been really like pleasantly surprised and um, of, of like the quality of the DeFi projects on on um, Solana. And so, yeah, there's sort of a number of them that sort of um, bring a lot of like really awesome like product and UX to the table, um, especially com- and then combine that with sort of like the fast and cheap transactions. It actually is like kind of pretty transformative experience so um a couple that come to mind saber uh mango markets radium um i think all those guys are doing a, a really good job um and on the nft side of things it's, it's a lot more nascent um and a, a lot more room for like sort of like awesome teams to come and with and, and build awesome products um so keeping a close eye on the nft stuff um there's one team that we've been chatting with a bit called Magic Eden, which is um, they, they're also launching a bit of a sort of OpenSea-esque marketplace on on Solana. Uh, really excited for, for that one. Um, but yeah, I think the DeFi stuff has had a little bit more time to sort of bake um, so far. And yeah, I think the, uh, the results have been uh, awesome. Totally. And I have to ask here because everybody loves free money. Everyone here at Moon or Bus loves free money. I know this is anyone's guess, Brandon, but do you have any predictions or any decentralized applications that you think might be giving out airdrops on Solana in the coming months that we, that we might want to take a look at just in case? I know it's anybody's guess. I honestly, I don't, you I don't have no idea. No. Okay. Um, I mean, I think any... Any of them that have not done it yet is probably up for grabs. Um, and yeah, yeah. it it's, has been a common thing on, on Ethereum. Um, so, you know, I'd have to suspect that anyone who hasn't done it yet, like, is up for grabs. Totally. Okay. So let's just interact with as many applications on Solana as we possibly can. Every every application we interact with, it ups our odds a little bit for what for an airdrop. So that that probably is the move there. It's it's hard to tell which companies are actually going to be giving a, a decent sized airdrop to wallets that are connected to their applications. But I just had to ask that one, Brandon. Um, on another note, I see Phantom is hiring an iOS developer. Are you guys planning on making a mobile app? And will there be any cool features on the mobile app that are different from uh, the the mobile or the desktop wallet that you guys have right now? Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, we're definitely developing mobile apps. Um, we have 
pretty much built out the team that we think okay. is is going to be doing it. Um, and yeah, we're planning on having something for people to play with before before the end of the year. Um, so yeah, we know you know sort of a you know what I was alluding to earlier. Our our, our um, sort of medium to long term vision is if any anyone wants to be able to use uh, decentralized application. Um, their first inclination should be to sort of download Phantom to, to do that. Um, and to actually achieve that, that means meeting users where they are, no matter, no matter where they are. Um, and so that means like having a, like a sort of full suite of, of clients available for people. Um, so yeah, definitely planning on doing mobile apps. Um, the fact that we did a browser extension first was more of a sort of a go-to-market slash maneuvering decision more than like a hey like we think this is mobile's not it or whatever like I mean, obviously mobile is has a huge number of users and and all that so yeah we're definitely gonna have mobile up soon so uh to jump back for a second you were a uh, developer at uh zynga and then twitter and then went to the zero x protocol and then the ceo of phantom wallet what was the difference between developing for Zynga, who did a bunch of different games and other stuff, and Twitter, which we know now, to blockchain development? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, yeah, I think my like journey probably like resonates with quite a few people who are, like, who are out there and like working for big, like quote unquote, big tech at, at the moment. Um, basically, like. Over the years, like working at a sort of large scale consumer tech company, I sort of became disillusioned with sort of like the typical loop or way of thinking. So uh, it was a lot of like A-B testing, politics, uh, bureaucracy, and, and, and whatnot. Um, and ended, ended up like for, after a number of years of that, and I think that the way of building applications and launching consumer product in Web 2.0 is like very well understood. Um, and yeah, after sort of discovering Ethereum in 2017, um, yeah, it was sort of like a really awesome new way of thinking how to build applications. Like you don't, there, you know, there's not a typical you, um, email and password sign in, you plug in your, you, you go, you walk up to an app and you sort of plug in your wallet. That's sort of a, a new thing. Um, the fact that um, the, the databases that sort of back these applications are typically, you know, in Twitter and, and Zynga, like you mentioned, like typically these are like giant private closed off databases in yeah. this new world. Um, they're actually these like completely open databases. Um, and that's like a very a huge paradigm shift as well because not only does it uh, promote sort of this sort of composability and sort of like remixing of different types of applications and stuff. Um, it just sort of, yeah, it also provides all these, all these like really awesome properties like transparency and, and all of that for, for consumers. So um, yeah, I know it's really, it's been really awesome just to have sort of this entirely new paradigm to think about. Um, but, you know, it's a lot more nascent. So um, there's, a lot of things that people are still trying to solve and, mm -hmm. and figure out. Uh, the tooling is not as advanced or as well understood. So um, sort of a blessing and a curse. So one, it's like uh, really cool to be part of like a, this really sort of dynamic and shifting environment and be able to contribute and sort of to the invention of like sort of these new patterns. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's there's not like it like no code solutions or something for like someone to walk up and like build like a little DAP or something like that yet. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of ro rolling up like a lot of like rolling up your sleeves and like doing a lot of sort of uh, dirty work, I guess. Um, Trying to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Was uh, the Phantom Wallet at all affected by the crash um, the other day? Sorry, what what crash? The uh, the Solana crash. 
Oh, yesterday. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, yes. I said the other day, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Def- uh, well, def- definitely. So basically no one uh, was able to access really the, their, their assets on, on the chain and, and um, dApps that they would normally use. Um, so yes, absolutely. It was definitely affected. Um, and yeah. Were, were you able to like talk with the guys at Solana or any connections you have over there to kind of figure out what was going on before anyone knew it? Or were you able to figure out a, um, a way to maybe help your users or anything like that? Did it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the interesting thing about being in this, this walled position is that, um, you know, like I mentioned, like we are sort of synonymous, almost synonymous with people's experience on, on Solana. So when they go down, it's like effectively like we go down. Yeah. Um, so a lot of yesterday was like dealing with, um, you know, support requests, like uh, providing education to users, uh, pointing people to Solana's communications and, and stuff and, and letting them know that, it's being it's being worked on um yeah we were in contact with them yesterday uh but largely remained pretty hands-off because they were like essentially in this crisis situation uh and i'm sure they were being uh hit up from all angles from Mm -hmm. uh probably not not only wallets and dafts but you know finance and coinbase like they also rely Mm -hmm. on on solana as uh, to provide features for their users. Um, and so, yeah, we, we sort of were pretty hands off there in terms of like, a, you know, obviously they're the experts here. Let's let them figure things out and let things settle. Um, but yeah, we were, you know, we were chatting with them a bit yesterday. Yeah. Awesome. One last thing is uh, what do you think that this means for Solana in the long run? Do you think it's a positive or do you think that Solana might need more work? What, where do you see the, the crash, how it affects the blockchain your wallet's on as a whole? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a growing pain. Um, no, no one really quite understands what the end end state of these blockchain apps really looks like and perhaps it's you know it's it's we never really reach that end state similar similar to sort of computing now like it's it's the demand for computing is like always growing uh similarly the demand for these blockchain apps is going to continue to grow as well and so the technology is going to have to mature um and evolve to keep to keep up with it and so um, there's always going to be growing pains and there's always going to be situations like these. Um, and so I think, you know, in the long run, it's definitely going to be, it's a, it's a good thing for the entire space for these things to happen. So we can understand like sort of where the limits are. Yeah. I think we agree on that for sure. So we, we kind of tried to scrape together an explanation of what happened, but you're, uh, you have a much more deeper technical understanding. I want to, if you could try to summarize what happened that caused the crash yesterday, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, look, yeah, I was listening to, uh, you know, what you guys were talking about uh, earlier on in the show. Um, I think we all have very similar information from what, you know, was outwardly communicated by by the salon team. But, yeah, my understanding is that um, sort of the the initial trigger was that there was this uh, radium IDO going on. And, um, you know, there was an opportunity for a bunch of people to start buying and trading tokens um and it's sort of gotten to the point now where there's a lot of a lot more sophisticated players coming on with writing bots and and all of that and the the load um basically exacerbated sort of a a weakness in in how the how the node was uh structured i guess or written um that caused this sort of failure and so um so yeah it was initially from this idea um there's basically transactions being flooded around everywhere and then the validators got got overloaded um i think it's pretty pretty much just that um solana snapped into action they got you know they got all the engineers together across the ecosystem to reason about how the valid you know validator software could be improved 
and then they they push the fix. Interesting. So uh, this this really brings up the question of how much decentralization matters to retail adopters. Um, which blockchain use cases do you see as most viable on networks that prioritize scale, and then also the other way around? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I mean it's definitely, and it kind of goes back to this fact that we don't we don't know exactly what the end state of all of this looks like, and people mm -hmm. are dreaming up like all these different types of applications. Um, so you know if you're if you're, if you're transacting $45 billion or whatever, like on, on Bitcoin or, or tw tw uh, $2 billion per transaction on Bitcoin, like, um, you know, for those use cases, it probably makes sense to have some super, uh, resistant, uh, you know, censorship resistant and decentralized application. Uh, but then on the flip side of that, if you're, uh, no pun intended, flipping NFTs or, uh, just, you know, collecting, you know, participating in some of these games is probably not as important. And yeah. so um, I think we'll see like as all of these, uh, as we figure out like what types of applications people like to use on these on these blockchains and, and whatnot, like where those gradients lie. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a spectrum and um, it's very likely there's going to be a host of different solutions for because there's like a host of different applications. Okay. Um, next question. How do you see like the Ethereum layer two ecosystem uh, affecting the demand for Solana block space, say over the next 24 months? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there is definitely room for, for everyone. Um, I think the, the fact that we see gas prices so high on Ethereum is sort of a direct result of the, the demand uh, for blockchains being so, and block space being so high. Um, and I think that demand is just gonna keep going up um, as more applications become popular um, and as it becomes easier for people to start using these, these applications. Um, so, um, I think that they're all going to coexist for, for a while, um, mm -hmm. at least the foreseeable future, um, because still even now, the number of users uh, using these things is it's a small fraction of what you would expect from someone from like a, from like a Twitter or a Facebook type. Yeah, user right. All right, cool. So uh, what's next for Phantom? You got any exciting plans coming up? Yeah, so we have a couple couple of main things that we're focusing on for, for the rest of this year. So um, one is to, you know, to continue to sort of uh, innovate and uh, push the Solana experience on Solana for. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of new apps coming out and, and all that. We want to be like really awesome stewards for, for the ecosystem there. That's one of our main priorities. Um, Second thing is uh, actually integrating Ethereum into the wallet. Um, that's going to be really cool because that's going to be our our first foray into uh, being sort of this single chain wallet, uh, and then now into a, a multi chain wallet. So that's going to be uh, really cool. And um, obviously, you know, we come from the Ethereum space, so that's sort of our our bread and butter as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, lastly, like we, we talked about earlier, um, uh, mobile apps as well. So that's sort of like what's going to carry us to the, the end of this year. Very cool. Love to hear it. Uh, well, Brandon, thank you so much for, for giving us your time today. Before we wrap up, I just want to give you the floor. If there's anything else you want to talk about, mention any shout outs you want to give, uh, now's your chance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to shout out the whole, you know, Solana community and the, and the foundation as well. I know, like, um, yeah, basically, it's been a pretty tough, honestly, month or month and a half with just like all of the uh, newfound interest and and demand. Um, it's it's not easy to to keep up with these things, um, and yeah, there are a lot of people like putting in many like many like days and nights to, yeah. to, to keep this stuff going. And um, 
yeah, you know, the, the builders there are really awesome and, and, and all that. So yeah, I just wanted to give them a shout out and, uh, yeah, be nice to them on the internet. <laughs> Good. People aren't nice to us on the internet. <laughs> sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't. All right, Brandon, thanks so much for your time. Nice talking to you. Hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Take it easy. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Thank you. Alrighty, that was Brandon from the Phantom Wallet. This is the the premier way to interact with the Solana blockchain to get access to DeFi apps on Solana. Uh, you really can't do it any other way. So uh, that was, yeah, that was that was awesome to have him on, have him talk to us. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of the of the Phantom Wallet, so um, we'll have to have him back on in the future. So. Tech asked a question a little bit earlier on that I don't yeah. think we got to, uh, but he was essentially asking why Solana over other smart contract applications mm. like Ethereum. So there are trade-offs to these things. Ethereum is very decentralized, very secure. It's always up and running. Uh, some of these newer projects, they're all using proof of stake. So that's what Ethereum is transferring to with ETH2, hopefully next year at some point. Uh, but right now, Ethereum, like Brandon mentioned a lot, throughout the interview, it's having a lot of trouble scaling. So you need to have a decent amount of capital to actually use the ecosystem because transactions will be between 20 to $100, depending on when you use the network and what you use the network for. Whereas blockchains like Solana, they have different consensus mechanisms where you can transact on the blockchain, use these applications for like one, two, three cents, sometimes even less. So there are trade-offs, but these new blockchains are definitely much more scalable than Ethereum is at its current state. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens once Ethereum actually goes over to proof of stake. A lot of things, a lot of these projects are growing. They're they're just now starting. I mean, Solana just had their mainnet launch not too long ago. You, you have to keep in mind that these things are new and evolve, evolving and getting bigger and there's going to be issues. You know, some sometimes you don't like see when things are happening, but like the Solana shutdown had nothing to do with Phantom Wallet, but Phantom Wallet was there to help its users and point it to the right direction. So that's something really cool that's happening in this space too. I mean, a, a, a lot of different projects get a lot of hate and say like, you know, why are you down? What What's this happening? But you got to realize that these are people trying something new and they're just, you know, it, there's going to be flaws. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be growth. And with software development or anything like that, more bugs is usually a good thing because you can figure them out as you go and, and make sure you squash them. And they don't happen again. It's going to happen. That's just, that's the nature of the game when it comes to software. But I mean, it's just, just keep in mind, all these things are evolving. Totally. Yeah. That's a great point. We saw the same thing with Cardano, right? I mean, they're having troubles with their hard fork. It's going to happen. So, I mean, it's something to be expected, especially when we're so early on within the ecosystem. These tokens, these networks are literally just launching smart contracts this year in many cases. So, I mean, like you said, Brian, this is to be expected. Yeah, most definitely. Well, like this guy just uh, says a software or a currency Phantom Wallet is, we're talking, we just had the guess of Phantom. Uh, Oh, you're talking about Solana. Solana is a blockchain. Brandon was the CEO of of Phantom, which is a wallet on Solana. I saw a few other mentions say, like, why do we need another wallet? Well, Solana doesn't have a ton. They have maybe one other wallet, but Phantom was the first. So, or like one of the biggest ones. So, Mm. every blockchain needs a wallet so you can interact with the blockchain. You can't just interact with the blockchain without a way to connect to it yeah exactly if you're asking why phantom uh, go try to use DeFi on on solana and come back to us with an apology i'm trying to figure out how many validators are actually on solana do you guys know because I, i'm pretty sure it's decently decentralized definitely much more than binance smart chain on a lot of these other networks but uh, i know it's not as decentralized as ethereum which has over 10,000 nodes running on its network last time I checked. If I had to guess, I'd say probably between 1,000 to 2,000, but don't take my word for it. That's just a guess. Might be yeah. less, actually. I'm not seeing anything right now. It's probably a couple hundred. I think I saw it like 300 number around there. <laughs> 
Well, the chat's pretty active. I think this would be the perfect time to do a little bit of Moon or Bust, my favorite segment on the show. I mean, the show is called Moon or Bust. What the heck are we doing skipping this segment almost every episode? Right. All right. They guys. probably don't even know what Moon or Bust is. I do want to point out, uh, Raul, Raul Black said uh, people might be confusing the Phantom Network with the Phantom Wallet, FPM yeah. with Phantom Wallet, and Very that different. would make sense. Two separate yeah, things. The project we just talked to doesn't have a cryptocurrency. They're, they're not, just a wallet. Like he said, they're not making money. They're doing this for the ecosystem. For y'all. Yeah, keep that in mind. All right. This is Moon or Bust, your favorite segment on Benzinga. What, what we want you to do is go into the chat, drop the cryptos you're looking at. We'll pull them up and we'll look at the fundamental technical perspectives and we'll give them a Moon or Bust rating, each of us, and we'll achieve consensus that way. Uh, all right, so drop them in the chat while I roll the intro. Hey, hey, hey. All right. What do we have here? We got, we got Ren from Ruel. You want to pull up CoinMarketCap? Maybe we can find some on there. Start with Ren and, and then go on. On it, Captain. Uh, so Ren is like a uh, cross-chain protocol, right? Mm-hmm. Someone said Internet's safe acting up today. Oh man, Safe Moon is the best thing ever. Up thirty-nine percent today. I wonder if there was news about it. I haven't seen anything about Ren lately, but that's definitely nothing to look away from. Forty percent over twenty-four hours. I'll get out of bed for that. I would if okay. I had some in my portfolio. <laughs> okay, so Ren is a blockchain interoperability protocol. You can you can take your your Bitcoin, you can take uh, your Ethereum, and you can put them on the Ren chain, and then you can swap uh, between Bitcoin and all these other uh, native chain assets using Ren. Um, the technicals, I mean, they look as solid as can be. Uh, they are not yet in price discovery mode, but it looks like they're headed that way. So this is insanely bullish. I might have to pick some up. I'm going to give this one a moon. Yeah, any inoperability uh, project I, I think has a lot of room to grow, has a lot of potential in the space and isn't going anywhere. Because like the past, <clears throat> I don't know, month or so, we've had guests on that talk about inoperability between blockchains. We've had you know guests who the cosmos network who you know are building that and a lot of uh projects had the ibc protocol but other ones i mean it, it it's gonna be eventually it's all interconnected this metaverse that every blockchain can talk to itself so anything that's doing that right now or has a part in that i think is a huge huge moon i, I there's so much potential Ryan? I agree. I think the fundamentals are there and I think we're getting pretty close to price discovery mode. It looks like we're sitting right around a dollar, right above a dollar for a while. So there could be some resistance coming up here. Uh, I wouldn't call it a buy just yet because we were around this price range for a while when we were at the top of the bull market. Mm -hmm. But I think that peak up to $1.60, I wouldn't really even call that a resistance. We were there, it looks like, for not even a day. Very short. But if we can break past this dollar twenty cent mark, I think mm. it'll be looking good to hopefully break through to new all time highs. I like that. Still a moon then? I'll give Are it you... a moon, yeah. I'll give yeah, it and Ren has a whole lot of stuff to go with it too. I mean, as part of the polka dot ecosystem, it 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 it's got a lot of depth to it. Um, and we could go on and on about it, but pretty much what we all just explained that interoperability aspect is one of the key factors to seeing this project succeed. And I think it will. All right. We have about two more minutes left. Do you want to speed run some of these? Just talk about sure. them. Sure. I'm seeing Tezos by a couple of people. Yeah. I'm seeing some Tezos as well. So let's talk about that one. Thanks, John Moore and tech. Uh, so Tezos is another smart contract blockchain. Uh, I am not sure what its specific niche is, but it has been ripping lately. Um, and any of y'all got some insight for me? I mean, again, Tezos is more scalable than Ethereum, but that's just a trade-off that you make for decentralization and security. It's definitely interesting, and there's there's potentially more room for it to grow than something like Solana or Cardano that are already multi-billion dollar market cap companies. 
Um, I'm not really sure how much value is locked in Tezos. I think it is over a billion dollars. I was browsing different DeFi ecosystems earlier. So it is picking up traction, um, but not so much as, say, Solano or Ethereum. Uh, but I would say this is a good this is a good project to have some of, you know, something that isn't your main part of your portfolio, but something you, you hold a little bit of, see how it plays out over the long run. Yeah, sure. one one big thing to point out too is <clears throat> they have the infrastructure to uh, not have to hard fork as the in what mm. it says in Coin Market Cap, but mm. that means you're not going to see that those downtimes or changings um, happen because of an overload, which is pretty pretty important in now times where everyone's on the blockchain trying to interact with it. Maybe it's just on Ethereum or other places, but you know, that that's scale that's the definition of scalability. You can afford to have these huge influx of transaction users, whatever, and not be worried about downtime or crashing anything. That's a big thing. All right. So it seems like we're all on the same page. Moon for Tezos. That is all we have for you today. Really hope you enjoyed. If you did, let us know by smashing the like button and connecting with us on Twitter. Say what's up, uh, and we can get to your lunar busts offline if we didn't get to them today. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.